Twenty-ninth lesson, boldness in prayer. And this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him. First John five fourteen to fifteen. One of the greatest hindrances to believing prayer is undoubtedly this. People do not know if what they ask is according to the will of God. As long as they are in doubt on this point, they cannot have the boldness to ask with the assurance that they certainly shall receive. And they soon begin to think that once they have made known their requests and received no answer, it is best to leave it to God to do according to His good pleasure. As they understand the words of John, if we ask any thing according to His will, He hears us, they are persuaded that the answer to prayer is impossible because they cannot be sure of what really may be the will of God. They think of God's will as His hidden counsel, so how should man be able to fathom what really may be the purpose of the all-wise God? This is the very opposite of what John aimed at in writing this. He wished to prompt us to boldness, to confidence, to full assurance of faith in prayer. He says, This is the confidence that we have in God, that we can say, Father, you know and I know that I ask according to your will. I know you hear me. This is the boldness that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. On this account, he immediately adds, If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have the petitions that we asked of him. John supposes that when we pray, we first find out if our prayers are according to the will of God. They may be according to God's will, but the answers might not be apparent at once, or the persevering prayer of faith may be missing. We are to have courage to persevere and be strong in faith, so he tells us that this gives us boldness or confidence in prayer. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. It is evident that if we are uncertain as to whether our petitions are according to His will, we cannot have the comfort when He says, We also know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him. But just this is the difficulty. More than one believer says, I don't know if what I desire is according to the will of God. God's will is the purpose of His infinite wisdom. It's impossible for me to know whether He may count something else better for me than what I desire or have some reasons for withholding what I ask. Everyone knows how, with such thoughts, the prayer of faith to receive whatever we ask becomes an impossibility. There may be the prayer of submission and of trust in God's wisdom, but there cannot be the prayer of faith. The great mistake here is that God's children do not really believe that it is possible to know God's will, or if they believe this, they don't take the time and trouble to discover it. What we need is to see clearly how the Father leads His waiting, teachable child to know that His petition is according to His will. It is through God's holy word, taken up and kept in the heart, the life and the will, and through God's Holy Spirit, accepted in His indwelling and leading, that we shall learn to know that our petitions are according to His will. In the Word is a secret will of God, with which we often fear that our prayers may be at variance. 
It is not this will of God, but His will, as revealed in His Word, that we should seek in prayer. Our notions of what the secret will may have decreed, and of how it might render the answers to our prayers impossible, are mostly erroneous. Childlike faith in what He is willing to do for His children simply strengthens the Father's assurance that it is His will to hear prayer and to do what faith in His Word desires and accepts. In the Word, the Father has revealed the great principles of His will to His people. The child has to take the promise and apply it to the special circumstances in his life to which it has reference. Whatever he asks within the limits of that revealed will, he can know to be according to the will of God, and he may confidently expect it. In His Word, God has given us the revelation of His will and plans for us, for His people, and for the world. He will carry out His plans and do His work according to the most precious promises of His grace and power. As faith becomes strong and bold enough to claim the fulfillment of the general promise in the special case, we may have the assurance that our prayers are heard and that they are according to God's will. Note the excerpts from George Muller at the end of this volume. Consider the words of John in the verse following our text as an illustration. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask God, and he shall give him life. Such is the general promise, and the believer who pleads on the ground of this promise prays according to the will of God. John would give him boldness to know that he has the petition that he asks. But this comprehension of God's will is something spiritual, and must be spiritually discerned. It's not a matter of logic that we can argue, God has said it, I must have it, nor has every Christian the same gift or calling. While the general will revealed in the promise is the same for all, there is for each one a special, different will, according to God's purpose. And herein is the wisdom of the saints, to know this special will of God for each of us, according to the measure of grace given us. So we can ask in prayer just what God has prepared and made possible for each of us. It is to communicate this wisdom that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us in personal application of the general promises of the Word to our special personal needs. Many do not understand this union of the teaching of the Word and the Spirit, so there is a twofold difficulty in knowing what God's will may be. Some seek the will of God in an inner feeling or conviction and would have the Spirit lead them without the Word. Others seek it in the Word without the leading of the Holy Spirit. The two must be united, the Word and the Spirit, because only in these can we know for sure the will of God and learn to pray according to it. In the heart, the Word and the Spirit must meet. It is only by such indwelling that we can experience their teaching. The Word must dwell and abide in us. The heart and life must be under its influence day by day. Not from without, but from within, comes the quickening of the Word by the Spirit. Only he who yields himself entirely in his whole life to the supremacy of the Word and the will of God can expect in special cases to discern what that Word and will permit him to ask boldly. And even as with the Word, just so with the Spirit. 
If I would have the leading of the Spirit in prayer to assure me what God's will is, my whole life must be yielded to that leading. Only in this way can mind and heart become spiritual and capable of knowing God's holy will. Only he who lives in the will of God by doing it through word and spirit will know how to pray according to that will in the confidence that he hears us. If only Christians could see what incalculable harm they do to themselves by the thought that because possibly their prayer is not according to God's will, they must be content without an answer. God's Word tells us that the great reason for unanswered prayer is that we do not pray correctly. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss. James 4, 3. In not granting an answer, the Father tells us that there is something wrong in our praying. He wants to teach us to discover it and confess it. He wants to educate us about true believing and prevailing prayer. He will only attain His objective when He brings us to see that we are to blame for the withholding of the answer. Our aim or our faith or our life is not what it should be. But this purpose of God is frustrated as long as we are content to say that it is perhaps because my prayer is not according to His will that He doesn't hear me. Oh, let's not throw the blame for our unanswered prayers on the secret will of God, but recognize instead our own praying amiss. Let that word, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, be as the lantern of the Lord that searches heart and life to prove that we are indeed like those to whom Christ gave His promises of certain answers. Let's believe that we can know if our prayer is according to God's will. Let's yield ourselves unreservedly to the Holy Spirit as He teaches us to abide in Christ and to dwell in the Father's presence, and we shall soon understand how the Father's love longs that the child should know His will and should know that He hears the petitions which we ask in confidence. This is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Blessed Master, with my whole heart I thank You for this blessed lesson, that the path to a life full of answers to prayer is through the will of God. Lord, teach me to know this blessed will by living it, loving it, and always doing it. In this way I shall learn to offer prayers according to that will and find my boldness in prayer and my confidence in accepting the answer in harmony with my prayer and God's will. Father, it is Your will that Your child should enjoy Your presence and blessing. It is Your will that everything in the life of Your child should be in accordance with Your will, and that the Holy Spirit should work this in him. It is Your will that Your child should live in the daily experience of distinct answers to prayer in order to enjoy living and direct fellowship with You. It is Your will that Your name should be glorified in and through Your children and it will be in those who trust you. O my Father, let your will be my confidence in all I ask. Blessed Saviour, teach me to believe in the glory of your will, which is the eternal love as divine power works its purpose in each human who will yield himself. Lord, teach me this. You can make me see how every promise and every command of the word is indeed the will of God and its fulfillment is secured to me by God Himself. So let the will of God become to me the sure rock on which my prayer and my assurance of an answer rest forever.
Amen. Note, there is often great confusion as to the will of God. People think that what God wills must inevitably take place. This is by no means the case. God wills a great deal of blessing for His people that never comes to them. He wills it most earnestly, but they do not will it, and it cannot come to them. This is the great mystery of man's creation with a free will, but also of the renewal of his will in redemption, that God has made the execution of his will dependent on the will of man in many things. In regard to God's will revealed in his promises, much will be fulfilled as our faith accepts it. Prayer is the power by which that comes to pass which otherwise would not take place, and by faith the power by which it is decided how much of God's will shall be done in us. When once God reveals to a soul what He is willing to do for it, the responsibility for the execution of that rests with us. Some are afraid that this is putting too much power into the hands of man. But all power is put into the hands of man in Christ Jesus. The key of all prayer and all power is His. When we learn to understand that He is just as much one with us as with the Father, and we are also as much one with Him as He is with the Father, we shall see how natural, right, and safe it is to those who abide in Him as He in the Father that such power should be given. Christ the Son has the right to ask what He will. By abiding in Him and His abiding in us, in a divine reality of which we have too little comprehension, His Spirit breathes in us what He wants to ask and obtain through us. We pray in His name. The prayers are really ours and really His. Others fear the prayer that has such power in limiting the liberty and the love of God. Oh, if we only knew how we are limiting His liberty and His love, by not allowing Him to act in the only way in which He chooses to act, now that He has taken us into fellowship with Himself, through our prayers and our faith. A brother in the ministry once asked whether there was not a danger in thinking that our love for souls and our willingness to see them blessed were able to move God's love and God's willingness to bless them. As we spoke, we were passing some large water pipes, by which water was being carried over hill and dale from a large mountain stream to a town for some distance. Just look at these pipes, was the answer. The pipes did not make the water willing to flow down from the hills, nor did they give it its power of blessing and refreshment. That is the water's very nature. All the pipes could do was to decide its direction. And just so, it is the very nature of God to love and to bless. Downward and ever downward, His love longs to come with its quickening and refreshing streams. But He has left it to prayer to say where the blessing is to go. He has committed it to His believing people to bring the living water to the desert places. The will of God to bless is dependent upon the will of man to ask for the blessing to descend. This honor have all His saints. Psalm 149, 9, King James Version. And this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we also know that we have the petitions that we asked of Him.